As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Show and the latest edition of Take It or Leave It, the show where we hear your hot soccer takes and decide if we'll take them or leave them. Today, your spicy opinions relate to the relative worth of US and Italian national teams, Brazilian Ronaldo's GOAT status, and the new San Diego MLS team, and whether it's cursed or not. Ooh, joining me to discuss these takes and much, 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 much more, we have Taylor Rockwell. Hello, Tay Tay. Hello, my friend. How are you? Wonderful. All the better Ooh. for hearing takes from you very shortly. I'm excited. I like these episodes a lot. Not least because my initial like research approach to this is to just go through and be like, mm, no, mm, yes, mm, no. And then I go back and revisit <laughs> and add a little more context. I'm glad you more. add a little more. Uh, a little adding more. a little more for us, we have Joseph Lowry. Hello, Joe. Hello. I uh, I don't add more. I just do what the first half of Taylor said, and then that's all. So I'm just shooting from the hip today, folks. Shooting from the hip. Excellent. Tremendous value coming from Joe Lowry today. Graham Ruthven, <laughs> hello. Hello, Ryan Bailey. To add a little bit more spice to these episodes, I just decide on a yes or no stance without reading the question and then back myself into a corner to uh, justify that argument. So should be fun. Okay. Graham's the guy to bubble in C, 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 and then head <laughs> of the test early. So we're doing hot takes. I always get this confused in my brain. So if I agree with a hot take, do I say it's hot? or If I say something all oh, that stone cold, does that mean I disagree with the take? That's I think you just mean it's like a common cold. opinion, right? Okay. Yeah, if, I don't if the take I... is hot, that means it's uncommon. If it's cold, that means it's it's everybody thinks that. Okay. And but that right. that has no relevance to what we're doing today <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> if we take the take, that means we agree with it. If we leave it, that means we disagree with it. So leaving it does not equal stone cold. Got it. Thank you. Joe. No, no can, like, it could be like a hot take. take. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you're saying it's a cold take, you are saying it's not a very good take, but then okay. you have to then say if you agree or disagree with the cold or hot take. It's a very Excellent. confusing thing it if is. you're Ryan. 
This is the kind of admin I should have done before we hit record. But uh, oh, here we are. Here we are. Uh, before we get into it, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show. If you would like to support us in that manner, we would very much appreciate it. We have bonus episodes. We have videos. We have access to our Discord where all the cool kids are hanging out, slinging hot takes all day long. Do join us there, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show, if you are that way inclined. But for now, uh, we have a hot take, our first one on Twitter. From Tristan Gilliland Kunkel, who says one of the best parts of soccer is the is mostly the fixed time of a match. It makes it great to attend in person and watch on TV because you can plan around how long it takes. Any new clock rules will ruin this, even if it technically gives us more action time. It ain't worth it, says Tristan. Okay, so I suppose this depends on the nature of new clock rules, but Taylor, take mm-hmm. it or leave it. I am largely taking that. I think I'm interested in what Tristan thinks about the expanded uh, injury time when you have like 12 minutes added on, which I think is accurate. And I do like when they add on an appropriate amount of minutes to kind of counteract stoppage time. But with that exception, I agree. I, I think I've talked about before how I think it could be interesting if you made the game 60 minutes, so 30 minute halves, but then you stopped the clock, stopped the clock every time the ball wasn't in play. But I, I think that could end up giving you like five hour long games. So I think there is something nice about two ish hours and, and, and you're done. You kind of have that commitment. So I will take this one. Okay. I, I on, on that line, Taylor, uh, one anecdote I tell because I only have a few anecdotes and I'm a boring person, but uh, David Tepper, when he bought or when he started Charlotte FC, one of those lines he said again and again is the beauty of soccer is it's all done in under two hours. He liked that maximal time frame that you generally get when obviously when not when there's extra time or whatnot. But that was a key selling point for him of the sport itself. So there is something in that, isn't there? And, and he was aware that he was talking about the soccer team he owns and not the football team. He didn't get that confused. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he was aware of which one it was. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, I think that is that is a big part of the appeal. And I, and I think going to sporting events, especially when there are TV timeouts, and you're just sitting there waiting to come back from commercial, oh, they kicked off, and now we're in commercial again. I, I think that is not my favorite thing, and I would not love for soccer to become, say, baseball of uh, before they introduce the pitch clock and things like that. Okay. Uh, Joe, what say you on this one? Is one of the best parts of soccer the fixed time of the match itself. I'm snatching this one. I'm taking it and I'm running because I completely agree with it and I want it all to myself. I, I, I agree with literally everything that Tristan says here. Any new clock rules are going to make soccer uh, more difficult to market. I think it's going to make it more difficult to fit into a TV window. And I think it's fine how it is. I'm not even really a fan of the expanded stoppage time. I think that already messes way too much with the rhythm of the game. And, and I disagree with you, uh, Taylor, in terms of it being an accurate addition. Soccer games, in, in terms of the action, are like 55 minutes long, max. So you're not adding on 35 minutes of stoppage time between the first half and the second half of the ball actually you know, not being out of play. So I, I would I would leave that particular idea, Wait, but I'm what? totally taking... You Wait, think what? about the, the amount of time the ball is in play. There are statistics yeah. that go out there and measure this. Like you're looking at somewhere between 50 and 60 minutes in terms of the, the actual action that you're getting on the field. Yeah. And you don't need to compensate for that. I don't think, right? You're never going to hit 
that 30 minutes of stoppage time across the first and second half. That, I think, that maybe I think what Joe's getting at is, you, you, did you may, maybe say that you were a fan of accurate stoppage time? I think you, you might have said that. No, I think, I think that I can see how that would be confusing. No, I was saying I've heard people suggest that soccer should only be 30-minute halves, but then you stop the clock. Uh, and I think that could be interesting as a way to sort of like remove time wasting and remove the delays because then there's no more incentive to do that. But separate from that, I do like when they do a more accurate reporting of injury time because if a player's down for six minutes and then we only get two minutes of injury time, it feels sort of unfair slash uh, a little bit uh, wasteful. Basically, I, I like yeah. that it's wasteful and unfair because it's it's all wasteful and unfair <laughs> in general, and it's not going to be accurate one way or the other. Fine. So I guess you could quibble about <laughs> what's closer, but you know, what good does that really do? So yeah, I love this from Kristen. Um, let's not let Fiorentino Perez touch soccer for any reason. Yeah, maybe it's just me, but I didn't feel like there was a clamor for officials to take these extreme measures against time wasting. It, it might have been something that people complain about from time to time, but. Surely it was a long way down the list of problems that soccer had to solve. Um, so yeah, I don't really feel like it is, it has really solved anything. So I am taking this one all day long, which is ironic given that that's, uh, I want to stop matches from lasting all day long. We were at, um, I was at the Sterling Albion Falkirk game at the weekend. That's a big rivalry for Sterling Albion. It was a bit of a painful one. We conceded late on. It was 2-1 to Falkirk. And even in those uh, circumstances, the referee added on nine minutes of stoppage time, kind of from nowhere, and all the Albion fans around me went, ugh, nine minutes of stoppage time. So even in a game where we were chasing, that was advantageous to us. We were chasing an equaliser. <laughs> we still weren't really in favour of the, the additional stoppage, stoppage time. And I agree with Joe, it's faux scientific, isn't it? It's not really, it's not, you're not really making up for the, the time that's been lost in the game. It's just one ina- inaccurate way of making up for it versus right. another inaccurate way of making up for it. Joe right. plus Graham equals anti-science. Got it. Cool. <laughs> yep. yep. Got it. Yeah. Nailed. Do That's your own canon. research. That is now canon. Thank you very much. Uh, Shreyas has been in touch on Discord. Hello, Shreyas. On our Discord, that is patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you want to join it. If it weren't for his knee injuries, we would talk about the Brazilian Ronaldo being as good or better than Messi or the Portuguese Ronaldo. Ooh, Graham, taking it or leaving it on this one. I'll say, from my perspective, I might be controversial here. Brazilian Ronaldo was amazing. I am a child of the 90s mm. and very much appreciate all of his efforts. But Ryan also, was a child of the 90s? Ryan likes the 90s? This is news to me. I've never heard this before. <laughs> oh, I could tell you a lot more about it. Have you got a couple of hours? He's, he's never left the 90s. <laughs> right. But, but my, my point being, he's also... I think I'm going to leave it because maybe because he's a striker and it's a bit apples and oranges to compare him specifically to Messi and Ronaldo. I think I might have to narrowly leave it. How do you feel, Graham? Well, you can compare the two Ronaldos, right? I mean, I know Cristiano, Cristiano was initially a winger, but the majority of his career is kind of spent as as a centre forward. No kind of sort of very different types of centre forward, but they, <laughs> they sort of played the same position but um i'll do the i'll do the the praise bit first of brazilian ronaldo i'd I'd never seen a player like him when he was the the star of the 98 world cup similar to you ryan those are my formative years as a a football fan that tournament itself was was really my awakening as as a football fan as well and i hadn't really seen a player who had combined physical and technical qualities like ronaldo did so obviously there had been quick players but his pace was also about how quickly he did things with the ball it wasn't just about how quickly he could run and that was the astonishing thing about him and I think you can draw a line that goes from Brazilian Ronaldo to Thierry Henry to then even Wayne Rooney I know that might seem like a strange one but 
um, teenage Wayne Rooney was lightning, lightning quick and did things very quickly, sort of like Ronaldo, not to the same um, standard, but you could see a parallel there. And then all the way through to Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe is probably the closest I've seen to Brazilian Ronaldo. And he was exhilarating when he was at his best. Um, and his record when he was at his best was fantastic. So the first two seasons at PSV in the Netherlands, he scores 54 goals in 59 games. Then he goes to Barcelona. He's only there for one season, but he scores 47 goals in 49 games for Barcelona. Then he goes to Inter. Um, he scores 34 goals in 47 games for them. That's when the injury troubles start to hit. And then I think of Ronaldo's career as having kind of two peaks. And they, they, they uh, coincide with the two World Cups around that time, the 98 World Cup and the 2002 World Cup. In the second peak of Ronaldo's career, you can see that he scores 85 goals in 138 games for Real Madrid. Um, and as I say, you have the two World Cup campaigns in there as well. As amazing as that record is, it's still not as impressive as Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo's best seasons. And they had more of those seasons as well. So while there is definitely a romance about Brazilian Ronaldo for me, because he was the superstar of my formative years as a, as a football fan, I don't think I can take it. He probably was more talented than Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I don't think he was more talented than Messi. But mm-hmm. Shreyas' question was about, would he be seen as better, as good as or better than Messi and Ronaldo? And I don't think I can take that one. Taylor, can you take it or leave it? I'm leaving it for all the reasons uh, Graham went through. I think just those two players, Messi and Ronaldo, were also able to just evolve a little bit more, adapt their game, change aspects to give them more longevity. And and I don't think the same goes for Ronaldo. I did love this question. I do love Ronaldo. I find myself loving him like more and more. I loved him in the Beckham documentary. I love watching old clips of him. Um, interesting... I didn't realize he never won the Champions League. That kind of blew my mind. Not that that matters to any part of this question. It just blew my mind. And I always forget that he was in that 94 team as well. So I kind of always forget he won the World Cup twice, which blows my mind. Uh, So there you go. Ronaldo, incredibly good. Didn't win the Champions League. Probably not on the same level as Messi and Ronaldo. But I think also a huge impact in global soccer and the popularity thereof. That's an interesting point, Taylor, because is Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, the last like world cup player like the last great player to be defined by a world cup because obviously now like Messi wins a world cup in Qatar but his career is not going to be defined by that that was the crowning achievement that was like the last piece of the puzzle it's all about Champions Leagues and Barcelona and and Pep Guardiola and all that that era Um, is Ronaldo like the last player whose career at the top was defined by what he did at world cups rather which obviously is the way uh, it used to be with Maradona and Pele that's that's how it was for decades until you know, the, the 2000s until the turn of the century. You could argue roughly the same time, maybe a bit after uh, Zidane. Yeah, but Zidane's got things like, yeah. the, you know, the volley in the Champions League final and, and yeah. the part, like a key part of the Galacticos team. But if you yeah, ask he... a guy on the street, what's Zidane defined for? And it's probably winning it and very much not winning it. Right? I think he's I think defined the for the headbutt. But I take your point, Graham. And I think like like the the player that comes closest in my mind recently would be Luka Modric in 2018 but even there he'll be remembered for everything he did with Real Madrid the only other one that kind of comes to mind would be maybe somebody like Fabio Cannavaro who I think of as being so integral to that 2006 Italy team but I don't think of for his club form at all I think of him as Italian center back Fabio Cannavaro even though he played for some pretty big clubs but I think overall your point stands Ronaldo is yeah like a tournament defining player that is pretty Pretty interesting. Indeed. Joe, your your take huh. on this one. Are you leaving it or taking it? 
I'll be leaving it just like the rest of the crew. Um, we've, I think we've all been in agreement so far through the first two, which is Spice. I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see if that continues. Taylor's going to do, do his best to make sure it doesn't. No, I, I think, I think Messi's in, <laughs> <laughs> Messi's in a category of his own for me. Uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, very, very good. I would be much more inclined to put him closer to the Portuguese Ronaldo if we're going to divide this up a little bit. But even then, I think for reasons that Graham said earlier, that is difficult to do. The other part of this, though, that I think we have to recognize is if it weren't for his knee injuries. That's what Shreyas opens this yeah. question with. And so True. In, in some ways, it is impossible for us to know. But based off of what we do know and in moments either before or sort of in between some of these injuries, I, I would also lean towards leaving this question. But – I mean, Ronaldo's talent is undeniable, and it is scary to imagine what he could have done if he'd stayed healthy throughout his career and had more of a, a Portuguese Ronaldo trajectory on that front. So I'm leaving it, but I, I am not opposed to the Brazilian Ronaldo rivaling the Portuguese Ronaldo, if not Messi. The, the unknown in this question, and it's something that, that Ryan touched upon, is how Brazilian Ronaldo would have adapted his career, because even if he doesn't have the knee injuries, he's still a player that is... Um, dependent on that pace and, 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 and that speed. And you would expect that would wane as he got into his 30s. So what kind of player would he have become later in his career if he'd still been at the elite level? I, I, I can't really guess. I'd imagine that would have made him a, a less dangerous player. Pirlo-esque playmaker is what I'm guessing, Graham. Moving, receiving sure. back. I mean, that's basically what he was at the 2006 World Cup. He just <laughs> didn't do it very well. Do you remember when Brazil like rolled him out for a group stage game to to score a, a a goal in a game that they were they were dominating? So he'd have the record of scoring in what was it like four World Cups? He holds mm-hmm. that record. Yeah. I think Messi might have it now, but yeah, I remember that game. He was not in great shape. Wonderful stuff. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, more hot takes back shortly. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to Take It or Leave It, or Tiorli, as a... The cool kids are not calling it. Uh, we go to Madla09 on the Discord who says, The USMNT currently has more talent than the Italian national team. Cat meat pigeons. Here we go, guys. Uh, <laughs> Taylor, I come to you. Taking it or leaving it? Uh, I put the least amount of effort into this question. I'm leaving it because I will never, ever feel comfortable saying that. I feel like that <laughs> would get you like tarred and feathered in Italy. I don't know what would happen, but you would not be well-received. There may be some truth there. And I think if you look, now that I am taking a deeper look at that Italy squad and how much they have struggled, I think some of that is the weight of expectations. Some of that is that Europe is harder to qualify from. Uh, But there is still some argument there that you do have maybe not as much talent, especially up top as you have had in years past. But I still would struggle to say that the U.S. is better overall. Uh, the U.S. currently has more talent than the Italian national team. Oh, that makes me so uncomfortable. I have to leave it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so so with, with me on this one, Graham, 
I was tempted to take it if you looked at the Italian team that faced England, when was it, a week or two ago? No Immobile, no Chiesa. There, I think it's more of a fair fight, but I think I've got to leave it. How do you feel, Graham? So Chiesa is an interesting one. So I, I went through position by position and tried to Same. build a team from the Same. two squads. So I'm going to give you my team, right? Goalkeeper, I've got Donnarumma. I know he's not been the greatest at PSG, but I, I can't pick Matt Turner over. I'm sorry. Uh, is he a multi-sport athlete, according to us, hypothetically? Well, if Donnarumma can hit a home run, then he is, he's starting for, 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 for my team. I also had Vicario as well, who I know there were some questions over him at the start of the season, but he's been very good for a team that's sitting currently top of the Premier League table. Yeah. So I've got an Italian goalkeeper. Um, left back, I've got Destiny Odoji as well. Yep. Um, I, uh, right back, this was difficult because in previous seasons, I would have taken Sergino Dest, but right now, I'm probably taking Di Lorenzo over Dest. Yep. Then at centre back, I'm taking Bastoni. So we're not yep. off to a great start for the USMNT. I've got <laughs> I've got uh, four Italian players, but this is where the comeback begins because I am taking Chris Richards as Bastoni's partner at centre back into the midfield. I'm going for so I'm going for a four-two-three-one here into the midfield. I am going for a, a, a midfield pairing of Yunus Musa and Barella. So a split there in midfield. Gio Reyna is my attacking midfielder. On the left, I'm going, I'm going with Christian Pulisic because once you get into the attack, that's where Italy yes. seems to be weakest. So on the left, left, I'm taking Christian Pulisic. On the right, I'm, I'm, if he's fit, I'm taking Chiesa. But you're right, Ryan. If Chiesa's not in the equation, then I'm probably taking Tim Weah on the right side. And then centre forward, I'm taking uh, Fuller and Balogun. So yep. Chiesa could be the decider because I had that as 6-5 in favour of Italy, I'm afraid. But if Chiesa's not involved, then it's 6-5 to the US. Yep. Balogun over Raspadori or Immobile? Yes. I think certainly over Immobile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> not answer Ryan, have, the, have the common courtesy to ask that when I'm not here, all right? <laughs> Yeah, I think How so. Okay. Raspadori is, I think Raspadori at this point is better than Immobile, but yeah, I'm taking Balogun over Raspadori right, so right now. Have you taken or left it, Graham, as, as your conclusion there? Ah, uh, I've, I've left it, but it's so close. It's like, it's close to 50-50 as you can okay. get, I think. Does All it right. make you uncomfortable though, Graham? Does it make you uncomfortable to say that? Cause it made me physically uncomfortable to say the US is close to Italy, but maybe that's just my own, uh, weirdness. No, I think that's just your weirdness. Okay. Like Italy have been bad for two or three years. The thing is, in terms of talent, I think Italy probably just about have the edge. Certainly, and um, once you add in like squad depth, yes. Like I didn't have Sandro Tonali in my team. Uh, um, I didn't have Locatelli. Yeah. Well, Maybe it seems like up. nobody's yeah, no, nobody's going to have Tonali in their team for a while. But Locatelli wasn't in my team. Brian Cristanti wasn't in my team either. Yeah. So I, I do think Italy have the edge in depth as well. So in terms of talent, yes, I'm going for Italy. But whether they're actually a better team right now than the US is a completely different question. I'm not sure about that. Ryan, if the United States won the World Cup and an American said the US is a better soccer team than Italy, would Italians agree? Because I feel like they would not. Do no. they care yeah. about the US, though? I get like, I, I, do Italians do Italians care think, about what we think of they them? They do when I you bring up Italians, <laughs> I think Italians care. They have very specific pride in their own nation, their cuisine and everything else. So to, to, if you suggest that anything is better than, say, Italian cuisine or Italian sports, I think would be met with umbrage. If only we had a way to prove which team was better if they were to play in a situation like the World Cup. I, I don't know. Sure. I, I, I am leaving this as well. It doesn't make me as uncomfortable, but it is still a weird thought. And it's closer than I thought it was going to be coming in. I am higher on Italy than it feels like almost anybody on the planet right now. They have some very real flaws in their squad. But the talent and the depth, which is the key point, I think, is is still very, very strong for Italy. It just so happens that they're in the strongest confederation in the world. 
So goalkeeper and the whole goalkeeping pool goes to Italy. Donnarumma, I think, is the best player in that in that whole bunch. Center back goes to Italy. Bastoni is absolutely incredible. Like, he is totally elite in that position. And I think Italy can probably make up the rest with some of the depth there between a Cherubi and, and some of the young guys they've got. Fullback, the edge goes to Italy pretty clearly. Udoglie is, is, a, is a really nice player. And Di Lorenzo, I think, is a, a more stable option than anybody the U.S. has on the right side. Midfield, central midfield, I'm giving to Italy as well. Uh, Barella, Locatelli, both very good players. You can dig into the depth a bit more. If there wasn't betting involved here, I think they would come out even further ahead in this category. Is Verratti still in the picture or not? What's what, what's happening with Marco well, Verratti, Graham? He, he went to Saudi Arabia, right? Right, so but he's still I'm good not, at I'm soccer. Sure. Yeah. I think he's got an injury, though, so that okay. might be why he's not been in recent squads. But gotcha. I, because, obviously, there's been a change in management, I'm not sure Spalletti's going to call, call up players from Saudi Arabia. So. Man, man, imagine not calling up Marco Verratti. And I think that, that sort of gets to some of the answer. Where I think the tide shifts to the U.S.'s favor, and Graham, you got to this, it's the attack. I think in the wings and in the half spaces, the U.S. has the edge. Kies, if he's healthy, is, is a bit of a difference maker. But I'll take Reyna, Pulisic, and Weah there over any combination that Italy can currently field. And then I think Balogun over Ken or Raspadori or Immobile at this point. Uh, I, I think he is definitely the strongest option there. So I'm giving the edge to Italy, both because I think they come up better in more position groups here and because of their depth. But the gap is closer than I sort of thought it was coming into researching this question. Yeah. And and the other thing is, I don't want to get all Berhalter out here, but if we're counting the managers, uh, Italy have Spalletti, who is rather good. And we can take his pet duck as well. We can, indeed. U.S. has no duck equivalent uh, at this point. Uh, thank you very much, Madler09, for that take. We go now to Ian Abundis, who has another one for us. 2010 was one off, if not the most iconic World Cup of all time. It had Vuvuzelas, the Jabalani ball and its insane goals, the Suarez handball, Shakira's theme song, Waka Waka, Spain winning in the middle of their dynasty, <laughs> France by the Italy <laughs> crashing out in the group stage. <laughs> the Muppets cover. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, it's time for Africa. And the US defeating England 1-1, of course, says Ian Abundis. Yeah. Now, I'm going to... Graham, I'm going to leave this one. I think okay. it's difficult because I think this is a very subjective opinion based on your age. And we touched on this earlier as sort of 98 being sort of our, our respective awakenings to international soccer at the least. So for me, that one is the is the touchstone. And Euro 96 as a non-World Cup major tournament was my true awakening as well. So as much as I appreciate 2010, and I think it had all those fantastic elements and it will go down as a, a legendary tournament. The first one outside of Europe and South America as well, right? Yep. Uh, you had the 2002, but the first one certainly oh, in the African yes. continent. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's correct. Um, so on balance, I mean, I'm awesome. going to... 94 North America. Come on now. Give us our due where it's due. Okay. I should have said the Americas. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Okay. I was completely inaccurate <laughs> with my statement you? is what, what we're getting at here. <laughs> but Graham, I'm going to leave it because I think it's subjective based on when you came to the mm. tournament as a person and your age. I'll tell you what, Ian puts forward a very strong yeah. argument yeah. for something that I would have never considered. So mm-hmm. all the things that, that is mentioned in, in, in the question, the um, 2010 World Cup, it's worth mentioning the context that it has a reputation for being one of the more forgettable World Cups. Um, it was defined by conservative, compact teams like uh, Van Merwick's Netherlands team that makes the final, and then tiki-taka teams like Spain. And while Spain were obviously outstanding and this is midway through uh, a dynasty for for them i personally didn't find them particularly entertaining to watch as a neutral around this time but ian says iconic rather than best that is the key thing 
and you have a lot of iconic things with this this tournament. I would also add the Shabalala first goal in the opening game for South Africa, which is one of the most memorable opening goals to to, to a tournament. Peter Drury's uh, commentary on that goal is pretty iconic as well. You had the Frank Lampard ghost goal against England. Uh, you had. Yeah, for England, yeah, against Germany, excuse me. Um, you had Meza Ozil as the player of the tournament. You had the the Wayne Rooney, nice to hear your own fans booing you moment oh God, into the camera. Oh, God, that game was so bad. Yeah. Uh, you had Maradona as Argentina manager is one yeah. thing that I'd forgotten about. Greg, you do you remember the- that he was wearing two watches as well for the yeah. whole tournament? And his logic being one was set to Argentine time and one to local time. I love that. Of course, because it's important during a game to always know what the yeah. what the time is in, in a different time zone. It's no coincidence that Hublot was his sponsor. Go on, Graham. You had the you had of course you had the Van Bronckhorst stunner in the semi final against Uruguay, which is always it's one of my favourite World Cup goals. You had the Xabi Alonso or not the Xabi Alonso the um, the Nigel De Jong tackle in the final on is it on Xabi Alonso? Can't yeah. remember who the player. Yeah, yeah on Xabi Alonso. So. I think I'm taking this, actually, which Ooh. is, uh, before it had been laid out like this, I don't think I would have done that. But yeah, the argument's a pretty strong one. The argument has been made. Uh, Joseph, how you feeling? I will take this. Um, nobody really wants to hear my thoughts on the 2010 World Cup because I didn't watch the 2010 World Cup. So I'm kind of just going to leave it there. I know the song. I know about the US-England game. I know about Spain's dynasty. The Suarez handball has filtered its way into my consciousness, along with a couple of other things that Ian mentions. But... I'm taking it just because there haven't been a ton of World Cups in my lifetime or in my consciousness. I don't want to talk anymore. More on the song, right? So Ian's question says the Shakira theme song. Yeah. But there were two that were like popular, right? Mm-hmm. The Coca-Cola one was... Waving Flags. Waving Flags yeah. by Kanan. Yeah. That's what I think of as the, yeah. as the song of the tournament. What's really? the Shakira one? I stole this song and I didn't give credit to the original band who sang it. Yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, called... those, those are the real lyrics. <laughs> it had some uh, some allegations against it. But yeah. that one, I think, has transcended soccer as well, because I know like the kids, it, my kids have like done that at school for like performing stuff and, and not in a soccer context either. So Is that before uh, or after dinner? Yeah, well, you, you get your treat if you do the Shakira dance correctly, Graham. Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, Taylor, are you taking or leaving this one? I'm kind of, I'm I'm almost regretting leaving it at this point because Graham made a very good case yep. for it. I'm taking it. And I had the same idea that like the distinction of it being the most iconic is critical because I think 98 is the best quality. That's the one that stands out to me. It's like the the biggest names, the most memorable matches, the the best like final and the best final result. Uh, but I think 2010 has so many moments that stand out as being... I don't know if it's iconic or or just sort of like notorious or the two blended together. Uh, but I also remember having friends there at that tournament who had been to World Cups before that. And they talked about how it was great, how you could get into most games, how it was a very fan-friendly, fan-centric World Cup. And it was, I think, just a, a very happy vibe around the country. So I think also maybe for some of those kind of semi-personal reasons, uh, it stands out to me as being particularly memorable. Okay, yeah. But I, I I am tempted to once again reintroduce the idea, Taylor, that if we were all in our 60s, we might say like the 82 World Cup mm-hmm. or, you know, somewhere Maradona yeah, dominated. I think that's true. Yeah. So it's it, there's perspective involved in this one. Ian, thank you very much indeed for that take. We're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, a couple more. Stick with us. 
Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. 
Total Soccer Show. Welcome back to Tioli. Take it or leave it. That one's not going to stick. Uh, Austin Janicki <laughs> has got in touch on Twitter. Miami wins no trophies next year due to injuries, poor roster construction and depth, and fatigue from the long season, including the Copper America right smack dab in the middle of the season. I'd forgotten that was going to be. So had I. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, Joe, I come to you first for your take, uh, whether you take it or leave it. Miami winning nada next season. I'm going to leave this. So I think Messi will win a trophy next year with Miami. I think he's going to score 25 plus goals in MLS play, and it's going to be awesome. That being said, <clears throat> excuse me, Austin does bring up some very valid points about some of the roster challenges and the Copa America timing. You've also got their Asian tour that I think is happening in December. So there are going to be plenty of games that Inter Miami are playing. Tata Martino is going to have to be really sharp in how he rotates this squad and, and, and deals with some of the people that are in that squad. So that's one challenge. But there's a lot of trophies that Inter-Miami can win to give us some leeway here. They're in CONCACAF Champions Cup, which is the CCL rebrand. They're in Leagues Cup automatically. They're in U.S. Open Cup, Supporter Shield, MLS Cup. I like their odds of getting one of those because even though there is some some age here, let's not forget, number one, they have Leo Messi on their team, and he is the best player in the world still. And then you look at the rest of, of what they've got. I don't love some of the fullback depth or some of the winger depth from Miami as things stand right now. But they've got an offseason to sort some of those things out, and they might have some roster rules changes to get to play around with. So I'm kind of banking on something happening and Miami really tightening up the, the few weak points in their squad over the offseason. But they're already deep and strong in central midfield. I like their center backs. If Campana sticks around, they've got a, a nice backup to Luis Suarez when he inevitably arrives. I think they've got the flexibility to make some pretty impressive moves still, and I think they're going to win a trophy next year. Okay, uh, you, you, you might have persuaded me to leave this one based on that Joseph Lowry. Taylor, take it or leave it. Uh, my original answer was whatever Joe says I agree with. Okay. Um, and I think he, he's made a pretty compelling argument. I would also add that I feel like uh, th- they'll find ways, they'll create a competition where Miami play some other team and they get a trophy from that one. So maybe it won't be MLS Cup necessarily. Maybe it could be the Supporter Shield, who knows. But I think they'll end up winning something. Although Austin makes a really compelling argument that the... The roster could be a problem. Injuries could certainly be a problem. Messi isn't getting younger, literally. Uh, But also, the Copa America being right in the middle is a distraction and is a thing that will have to be navigated and could be a problem if Miami aren't in strong position when it happens. Uh, And especially coming out of it, I feel like players will need a break, Messi chief among them. So... Uh, assuming he is still playing for Argentina, uh, then it could be a a bigger issue. But I think overall, they're able to win something next year. Are are they going to take a full month out of the schedule for Leeds Cup next year, like they did this year? Does anyone know? I I, I haven't heard anything to the contrary. I would sort of assume that this is going to be a regular thing. Honestly, I I do not know. Because thinking about it now, how, how? How do you, yeah, how do you that's do my that question. Couple, how is that I don't understand work? how that's going to happen. I think, uh, Joe, we're going to get a lot more cheeky midweekies is the answer, right? I, I guess, <laughs> man. Oh, my word. Can, can <laughs> I say, just, like, honestly, thinking about it a little bit more, having just answered, if you made it, they will not win Supporter Shield, MLS Cup, or U.S. Open Cup, I might take this. Just because it is difficult to win those. It's only three cups. And... If you're not the best team in the league for the entirety of the season, that that kind of limits your ability to be the Supporter Shield winners. I don't know, man. It's an interesting one because U.S. Open Cup, if you don't play your starters, if you're not prioritizing it, you can get knocked out pretty quickly. Like It does sort of limit the opportunities available. I still think they win something in there because they'll play a bunch of different friendlies and sort of glorified friendlies at that. But 
it's a really interesting point, and it's closer than I would have thought. So I was initially going to leave it because of the reason that Joe mentioned, like, law of averages. There's a lot of trophies. Like, they're going to be in Champions Cup next season. Um, that's an opportunity. But you're right, Taylor. If you go through each one, like, are, are Inter-Miami, given that they won US Open Cup this year, are they going to be starting? They win. Like, it, it, it felt like, oh, they, they uh, lost. It was League's Cup that they won. Don't they take anything away from Houston Dynamo and my Ben Olsen. How dare you? <laughs> Apologies. But, um, yeah, like, they did well in US Open Cup this year. They won League's Cup this year. Are they going to, are they going to field, like, full teams in those competitions? Particularly if League's Cup is be- around the time of Copa America. I can't really see Messi playing in those games. And that's my prediction is before and after Copa America, I think Messi's I don't think he's going to play for like a month to get ready for that tournament and then to recover from that tournament. So that's a factor. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I'm maybe I am taking this one actually, just because there's a lot of work for them to do. I know they're going to sign. It looks like they're signing Luis Suarez. I haven't watched them for a while, admittedly, but the last time I that I did watch him, he looked kind of done and sort of overweight as well. So I'm not sure getting to be Messi's buddy on his Publix runs is 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 going to be a good good idea for for Luis Suarez. So yeah, they've got they do have some roster things to to work out before I can really count them among the best teams in MLS. Is this going to be the MLS team that has played the most games in a calendar year next year, given all the contests they're in? It's going to be running close, isn't it? A Drake calendar year. <laughs> that was terrible but i loved it <laughs> <laughs> i regret nothing <laughs> um yes ryan it is uh, and, and, uh so okay all right well, so, well it might not be if they get knocked out like first round u.s open cup and leagues cup and champions cup and all that so if they do well then yeah possibly it's just a, a lot of miles on the 35 plus players i would say uh, that they have on their roster is the point i was going to make there but yeah it feels it feels like they should get something but who knows uh but this one's a, a split the room a little bit austin thank you very much for that hot take one more for this episode from pete uh on twitter who says san diego's expansion is cursed because of the egregious looking logo and Taking it. the br- and the branding oh boy oh boy oh boy so uh yeah the the logo is out there i believe we've seen this week also some kit mock-ups for the new san diego team the the way i described it in in our slack chat between us was there's an episode of the simpsons where homer changes his name to max power because his name homer (laughs) simpson is being used by a character on like a police uh tv show i think it's called something like police cops badge patrol and for a show called Badge Patrol, Police Cops, that is the exact badge I would expect them to have. If Captain Planet Kids had a badge, it would look like that San Diego badge, basically. Uh, lots of references that Joe completely uh, understands here uh, that are dropping at the moment. But uh, I don't know, to to actually put an entire curse on this franchise... Oh, it's that bad. It's yeah? that bad. Yeah, yeah and the, and the bad... It. The bad crest curse is a real thing. Like Chicago Fire have been bad for a really long time now because mm. they designed a bad crest one year. The, the, my my favourite thing about the San Diego identity reveal isn't actually the badge. It's the fact that the club's colour, according to this reveal, is chrome. That's what the explainer says. Chrome is the club's colour. That's not a colour! Okay. That doesn't wow. count. Chrome delete, more like Graham. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Okay, yeah, um, it's bad. So the kits are kind of black with some trim 
from what I could tell. I thought I they were navy blue, see, I but I am colorblind, so... This is the first time <laughs> hearing of the kits. Okay, I think I've seen some mock-ups on the Twitters, Joe. Okay, so it sounds like Graham is taking this one. The San Diego expansion team is indeed cursed. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I'm taking this too. It's it's <laughs> it's worse than you can imagine. Um, It really is what it is. Now, I will say, so the Athletic broke this news and had a picture of, of the crest that was like 12 pixels. The actual crest, when it's not 12 pixels... Looks a lot better. And so uh, it's not, it's still terrible. Like it's still really, really bad. And the explainer stuff is always bad, regardless of who's doing it. It's slightly less awful than I initially thought, but it, it still looks really, really awful. It looks like a crest from like a 2008 Flash player, like penalty kick online game for a team that might honestly be called San Diego FC, which is the name that they chose. So all sorts of problems there. Sort of, I mean, my tongue is pretty friendly. My... That was an incredible amount of shade thrown by Joe in like 10 seconds. Well done, Thank sir. You. Well I've done. been practicing. I really have been. Um, my tongue is pretty firmly in, in, in cheek here. But yeah. in the spirit of the take, yeah, this is this is terrible. My one sort of slightly more on-field relevant kind of thing that I'm thinking about with this San Diego team, I think there's a chance they could be sneaky good or at least interesting coming in. Now, it's it's difficult to differentiate yourself when there are 30 MLS teams or soon to be. But some some facts about the San Diego squad, they share ownership with the Right to Dream Academy. Maybe you guys already know this. Maybe all listeners already know this. They share ownership with the Right to Dream Academy and FC Norseland in Denmark. And those are two pretty powerful soccer entities in the grand scheme of things. Their owner now owns all three of those things. The Right to Dream Academy opened up in Ghana and then spread to Egypt and Denmark, which is no coincidence. That's where Norgeland is. It's a massive academy. They have a ton of resources. They've helped create some really impressive professional players and send a lot of people to, to schools and all those kinds of things. We're expecting to see another branch of this academy, the residential academy, open up in San Diego to recruit from both San Diego oh, and Tijuana. Casa Grande, don't I mean, well, I mean, it's hard to, to reach Casa Grande all the way from San Diego. It's not, it's not like uh, as close it is between uh, Phoenix and Casa Grande as a suburb there. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to be a really interesting look for this San Diego team. I, I have heard rumblings of some smart things that they're doing, and I don't have a lot more detail than that. But Norgeland always seemed to be very well run and very well respected in Denmark. So maybe we're going to see some of that bleed over in MLS as well. Yep. But none of that matters, Joel, because that's how a curse works. Correct. Like they're Correct. cursed now. Yes. So like it's, they, it's all it doesn't nice matter thought. what they do. They're going to put up like the best underlying numbers of all time, but literally never win a soccer game. I think that's yeah, how the curse is going to work. They are drinking from the cups in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's right. where they are right now. Okay. Um, Taylor, I think St. Louis have a bad crest, bad logo. They are the opposite of cursed. So... How do we feel about that? I mean, you mean STLCSC? Yeah, no, I think I think there is some some branding issues with St. Louis as well. Uh, but I am taking this one uh, because everybody really really dislikes this logo, and like it's a logo, it's not great. I, I don't I don't like it, but I think you see right there there is a like a wellspring of animosity toward towards this franchise. It seems, and I think some of that has to do with the loyal folding. Uh, and and Donovan being out of a job, and now we're all furious about that. But no, I, I just feel like there is a negativity towards the team already uh, that that I think the logo plays a part of, like is part of. It doesn't like explain, but I think it's part of that just sort of negative sentiment a little bit, uh, or maybe it's just a lack of enthusiasm. But either way, it hasn't really caught on. Certainly, I do think the Chrome 
is a bad look, especially with the one where it's the sort of ball with SD in the middle. Like they're literally saying their standard definition, basically. It, it's not, it's not a great look. And I don't know why they would do that. And I do think they're going to end up having to change it at some point, maybe before they even launch. Maybe this will be a, like, you know what? We've heard you. We want to yeah. be a receptive club or responsive club. We're going to change, but like that also isn't a great look. So it, it feels, it feels like not a great start for a team that could have had a great start because what? the only things I've ever heard about San Diego is that they have a great zoo. Uh, I guess you can cross over easily into Mexico. That's, that that's part of it too. Sure. And then it's like what always like 75 degrees every single day. And it's always clear skies. Like it is a perfect place to play soccer and they shouldn't have any problem attracting players or crowds. Uh, this feels like it would have been a layup and they somehow managed to not make that layup. Ron Burgundy should have been the crest. Should have been a panda. Like, or Wales vagina. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, that, but that's the thing, you right? Could San Diego. You could have gone with the Panther. That would have worked for the same reasons. Yeah, sixty percent of what, the time it would have worked every time. There you go. What's it, it called? Is it Sex Panther? Yeah, it is yeah. alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, but that's the thing, right? To make a, a, a semi-serious point on the back of this, that's nah, too late. Uh, that's not that's <laughs> this nonsense discussion. <laughs> <laughs> like it, I could understand if. This was a badge, like this genericness was a badge, was 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 an identity for a team from somewhere where there wasn't like a great deal to play. Like if this was Casa Grande, like if this was their hey, badge. Hey. They get Casa Grande <laughs> gets so much run on the Total Soccer Show now. Uh, man, that is just impressive stuff from CG. Great. Good stuff. We will not have a word said against the big house on this show. Come on. Okay. But anyway, if this was Casa Grande's badge, you could excuse it, because I have I know nothing about Casa Grande. Whereas like San Diego has so much that you can use in a creative sense to do a badge from. Like and you look at the Loyals the Loyals badge, which I'm not I'm not sure if I'm a massive fan of the the Loyals badge, but it is at least interesting and you get like a sense of like San Diego from the from the from the crest. And then you look at the Waves badge, which I think is a is a brilliant crest. Like, look at those two, compare it to the MLS team, and yeah, doesn't look so good. What I haven't seen, Graham, is when when teams release new crests, they'll have that exploded image, and it will say this. Like, well, the Charlotte one said, "This oh, is the yeah, crown." Yeah, they did a video. No, it's, yeah, it's there. So, is it? What does it say? Like, the chrome represents we like chrome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's always the stupidest stuff. Do you want? Do you want to know what it is? Chrome is a symbol of San Diego's spirit of excellence and cutting edge innovation. Chrome is reflective and dynamic in nature, an effect as well as a color. Azul, a dark navy color, spotlights San Diego's deep connection to the Pacific Ocean and our daily enjoyment of the clear blue sky. Didn't know the sky was navy blue. That's good to know. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think, I think that is not a great explanation. I hate when clubs do this. Just say it's your logo and keep on moving. How else are we supposed to know that they put the community first, Taylor? If they don't tell us, in their logo. I mean, they've got they've got this secondary logo where it's like a circle and it's got that that weird. What's what it? They call it the flow, right? That that saying, weird man. thing in the middle. It looks like a manhole cover. It hundred percent does. Like. The Dude, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are hiding underneath there, without a doubt. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. In this in this explainer, I've already looked at this. I'm glad we're diving well deep into this. Uh, and this is not just a San Diego FC problem. This is a literally every soccer team or brand that has ever felt the need to do too much problem, which is most, I would imagine. Um, they have a little line that points to the FC in the logo that says, FC, we're a football club in Major League Soccer aspiring to complete on the global stage. Cool. Great. I'm glad we know that you're a soccer team now. Like, that's awesome. And, and good job going with well, FC nothing else that in Major League Soccer. soccer. Just perfect. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> okay. As long as we're on this topic, like, I, I remember a time when people 
destroyed Major League Soccer for having the Kansas City Wizards and the Columbus Crew and the San Jose Clash and then the San Jose Earthquakes. Like there was a time when people made fun of this and thought it was like a gimmicky league. And it is weird that like in my lifetime, we've gone from that to uh, and like kind of demanding that teams be more serious and be cities and BFC to now everybody does that. And we're all sort of like, no, go back to like unique and original American sounding names. I'm not. I feel like if people did that, they would then be mocked for doing that. So yeah. it feels like you're kind of in trouble either way. I think that's probably true. It just depends. Like, I guess it depends on the individual a little bit. I think going and calling your name City FC is boring. And if American soccer wants to stand out, it's not a bad thing to go out and, and do something a little bit more creative. You don't have to call yourself like the San Diego Beach Wampers, like it doesn't have to. Be yes, you do. You know what you do. That's the new something name. Joe Landon. Ridiculous. San Diego like, Beach Wampers is what we are calling this team from now San, on. Joe. San Diego Done. Loyal is a cool name. Like San Diego it Wave is. is a cool name. Come up with a, a cool sounding name so mm-hmm. that when somebody across yeah. the world that whose opinion you seem to care about more than the people in your own market go and find that your club exists, they're like, oh, that's cool. Like let, this yeah. is a cool brand. Let me go learn more about it. You can do that without sounding hokey. I think is I the key. Like, Miami Fusion were like a, way ahead of the curve on fusion, like how how much like restaurants are about fusion of different cuisines. Like Miami Fusion did that well. On the flip side, I said this before, I will say it again. The Tampa Bay Mutiny is maybe the worst name for a team ever. It's a great name, but you are literally saying that we will mutiny, that we will like rebel if the, things don't go well, and we will go against our captain if things are bad. That is yeah. not a great precedent yeah, re- to establish. They're rebelling against the system to yeah, sure. not it's being a bad, MLS it's a team for more than three boys. seasons. It's a team of bad boys. I mean, oh, Chicago Fire also celebrating disaster that struck City is kind of... See, also San Jose Earthquakes. Ooh, that's a good and no, the no. series. How dare you, Ryan? Chicago Fire is named after the drama, not the actual oh, incident. That's yeah, what Google tells me every time I Google <laughs> yeah. them, That's for sure. <laughs> Nashville. Nashville as well. I believe they're named after the TV series. <laughs> yeah, we could go on. Let's they should not. be the Nashville Hot Chickens, let's be real. <laughs> See, there is there is a fine line between minor league baseball team name and yep. like acceptable professional soccer team name. Yeah, and then there's like a big gap between there and just defaulting oh. to FC San Diego or San Diego FC, which is literally what they told us the name was going to be, and they just had to decide which side of San Diego to put the FC on. I'm not asking for us to reprise the Wizards. I'm just saying there's maybe a little gray area in there that like you don't necessarily yeah. automatically get mocked for. What are you paying these companies for? Like, surely it's their job to come Chrome, up with like Graham, a good Chrome, identity. Graham, yeah. Um, sh- Ryan, what were some of the Charlotte suggestions? Like the Charlotte Crown or the Charlotte Royal? I quite like the Crown. Both like of Charlotte those are Crown good. Was, yeah. Yeah. Went, and just went with. I think the CLTFC. Charlotte Tax Dodge wasn't that one, or no? <laughs> the Charlotte Tax Dodge. DTFC, <laughs> Daddy Tepper FC. Is that? Nah, that's a good one. There we go. All right, this feels like the time to stop the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for all your takes uh, that you sent in. Please do send them via Twitter or via our Discord, patreoncom show if you'd like to enter the Discord and support the sounds we put in your ears every day of the week. Thank you very like much. We're doing indeed. whale sounds. <laughs> Well, you are a beach womper. <laughs> what is a beach womper, by the way? I, t- I don't know. It feels a little too much like a slur for my liking, but I did say you it You wouldn't first, get so. it, Ryan. You're not from San Diego. Uh, Only true coast- San Diego fans know. <laughs> I'm not a coastal elite. There we go. Uh, Joe Lowry, thank you very much for taking it and leaving it today. Yeah, good luck to the Fighting Zorons in the playoffs in the wildcard game. <laughs> uh, actually, which I guess was a day ago as people are listening to this, or two days ago. Never mind. Maybe things went well or, or didn't go well. Um, thanks, Ryan. Good broadcasting, Joe. Uh, thank Graham you. Ruffin, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Ryan Bailey. <laughs> Taylor Rockwell, thank you very much indeed.
Toledo Mudhens forever. Thank you, my friend. Rocket City Trash Pandas is my favorite American sports team. I'm just going to put that one out there for everybody. Listener, thank you again for joining us on this intrepid journey. We'll be back on the feed very shortly, of course. But for now, bye! Bye!